Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. All right. Good morning, uh, computer and interwebs. Oh, inbox. Dear Jen and Jillian, you two should bleep the effing bleep to bleep. What? No, no, no. This isn't right. Okay, next one. Oh, good. Here's one. Uh, Dear Jen and Jillian, you two do not know what the bleep you are bleeping. What? This is bullshit. And you know me, I don't mind cursing. Ah, it's just because I'm kidding. Listeners, thankfully, we do not get uh, in emails like this yet. Maybe there's some humans that, that would like to send these and, and don't. You know those emails you write and then you just delete because you know that um, you really shouldn't send that content. But thankfully, most of the letters we get are really thoughtful and they really help us see that what we're doing lands on our listeners in a way that makes them think and has them question the structures that they're in. So that's what we want to talk to you about this morning is that joy we have in opening and reading and responding to emails and letters from our fans. So thank you, Juicy Bits listeners. And Jen, why don't you bring up the one that we're going to touch base on this morning. Yeah. So for those of you who are new to us this episode, we dropped our first episode of season six uh, a little over a month ago. And within the first week, we received a few letters, which we absolutely love. So at any time, please feel free to send us letters. You can do that at juicybits at coalitionsnow.com. And this letter, we want to share a part that will frame the conversation Jillian and I are having today. So this listener says, the last thing I have is more of an advice-seeking note. I am fortunate enough to have a wonderful male partner who I can share the outdoors with and is one of my biggest supporters and allies. However, sharing in the outdoors with a romantic partner can be hard as fuck. We've discovered it takes a lot of communication and sometimes leaving that emotion at the car. That being said, recently I've been making it more of a priority to do women-only ski trips. At the same time, if he is planning a trip with just our male buddies, I can't help but feel left out and inadequate, even though he's never made me feel this way. I know that it's entirely in my head, but I wonder if either of you have experienced this before and if you have any insight. Well, Jillian... I'm going to pass this over to you to kick us off because you are the person who's in the partnered relationship. 
listeners know that I'm not, but I, I will talk about these feelings of jealousy and how you are required to deal with them when you're in polyamorous relationships. I have a bit of experience with that, but Jillian, you start because this so speaks to you in terms of being in a partnered relationship with a man for 20 years. So what did you think about this listener's feelings about jealousy and likely some insecurity around this? I know. I took a bit of time to think about this before I responded. You know, sometimes things can get lost in email and you want to make sure that you're like addressing what the person said without, you know, having the full context. But as soon as this listener shared the idea of, you know, just couple and couple dynamics in the backcountry being hard as fuck and then needing to leave some of those emotions at the car, you know, Brennan and I have been playing in the outdoors for, we're coming up on 20 years now this November. And it, I'll tell you, I had a little bit of like, I almost get chills right now sharing it, like a little bit of a, like a PTSD from it. Cause there've been some really challenging and really hard times that not only test yourself as a, as a confident person, but as a effective communicator, because there are the dynamics with your partner of just, you know, loving them and believing in them and wanting them to do the same for you. And then you put yourself in high risk situations where both people's lives are at stake and both people have something to bring to the table. Now, in my experience, you know, Brennan has been literally the greatest teacher and, and mentor for me in the mountains. Our first date kind of in the backcountry was on the Mountaineers route of Mount Whitney. And I was very new to split boarding. And if any of you have done the Mountaineers route on Whitney, it's not like a casual endeavor. Um, Mount Whitney is the highest peak in the lower 48, over 14,000 feet or just over 14,000 feet. And we were climbing the Mountaineers route, you know, to go do some riding together. I had like never worn crampons. I had my split board going horizontally, sort of in a makeshift backpack. I mean, there was a lot wrong with what I was doing. And even as him and I were doing this together, there was the sense of inadequacy was on my part due to inexperience. So when this listener was kind of touching base on this, I, I was thinking back to so much of what I struggled with and challenged was when I would show up. And even now when I show up, I would have to ask myself, like, what am I bringing to the table? Am I able to help these other humans in the backcountry? Am I able to read, you know, the tide charts as well to, to plan for a Dawn Patrol surf? Do I know a safe exit route? So it kind of came down to what am I contributing? And so, you know, maybe fast forward, you know, 10 years in that process with Brennan and I, there was a lot I was able to learn from him. And then we almost had to not necessarily separate the romantic part, but bring it together as like, we're friends doing this together. We're, we're partners, we're, we're, we're here to keep each other alive. So it was almost like setting the boundaries within a given context, because it could get really messy, really fast. And I will also say there were times just in the actual physical dynamic of this, you know, person, Brennan, being, you know, much stronger, physically bigger, much more capable in certain settings. And that was also something to kind of just learn to put in as part of the dynamic. And in the listeners note, they share, you know, kind of seeking out and spending time with women and women in the backcountry. And, you know, Brennan guided for a solid 10 years maybe more than that, where he was gone a lot in the winter. And so I started seeking that out myself. And I recognized like doing my own Abbey level education, being the one that picked the objective, called on the friends, picked the meeting spot and took on little 
you know, leadership roles in the mountains with still that collective safety was such a game changer and such a shift in how I felt like I could show up. And I, I say, uh, I think in my note back to her, I was saying, you know, I try because this is still an ongoing thing. That sense of feeling inadequate within certain groups can be really real, right? We all want to show up and feel like we're welcomed and we're loved and we're in the right spot. And there's, you know, there's no imposters, but there can still be those levels of insecurity and those questionings of, you know, where one fits in a dynamic. And I do think that comes down to really good boundaries and good communication. And then also if people make you like, there's a few people I used to call them like, you know, the fuck you breaks, you would get to a point where people would stop and you would get there and I'd be like sweating and like, you know, struggling. And I'd be like, huh. And they'd be like, okay, we're going. And I'd be like, fuck you. You've all been sitting here for like 20 minutes having a snack and now you all feel recharged. Like those would be people I would stop wanting to spend that time with because it became more to them about their objective and not so much about having kind of that camaraderie and that community sense in the mountains, which I found and I still find just as enjoyable as maybe our objective. And so I think, I I hope I'm not taking the listeners right now down kind of this rabbit hole of, all right, Jillian, now I'm going to write a letter to have you unpack like 10 things you just said. But really in that sense of, I think we've all been in situations in dynamics where there's a sense of inadequacy and jealousy. And I'll just wrap up here, Jen, before I let you chime in. The biggest point I tried to drive home with this listener and I try to drive home with myself is, and I think they touched on it, you know, is everything comes from us, not at us. And it's one of this Tibetan worldviews that I love in, in my meditation practice. And so can we, we can remember that as it comes from us, we try to recognize, you know, where that is and how deeply rooted it is. And then the other piece is recognizing that we are enough. So as we've showed up, we are enough. But if we aren't, say we legitimately feel like we could not save or help the person that we are out in the backcountry with, then that does come from us. And it's on us to be and bring our best skill set. Last point, sometimes it is perfectly awesome to not get asked on a certain ski day or a certain expedition because that, in my experience, it's been that person honoring the boundaries I've set. No, I do not want to be out from dark to dark on type two fun for multiple laps with you know potential frostbite and the things that, that my partner will engage in. And that's something we lovingly learned over the years. But I will say initially, I'd be like, well, how come I didn't get asked? And I'd be like, oh, that's right. He's not asking me because I've made it very clear that that's not the kind of stuff that is joyful for us to share in in the mountains. And that's where I think it's a lot of pressure to think you get all the things from one person. And that's where those friendships and those group dynamics to foster as adults in this world, I think are so valuable. I always think about you and Brennan, the the relationship that the two of you have. I love it so much. I always tell you this. I tell Brennan this. I love both of you as humans. I love your relationship. I love your family. The two of you do a really good job of just showing up for each other. So it's really interesting for me to listen to your experiences because it's completely different than my life. I have had over the years, serious partners who I would recreate with. And a few of them, it was amazing. I loved going out with them. And it hasn't been that way for a while because I haven't wanted to be with (laughs) newsflash. I haven't wanted to be in a committed relationship with a man for a long time. No one's surprised to hear that. But I, this letter made me think a lot about just feelings of jealousy in relationships. And one thing that it made me think about was when I choose to engage in a polyamorous relationship, I know that when I say yes to that, that I am going to be confronted with feelings of jealousy all the time. And I tell myself, jealousy is an emotion you can control. 
you can choose to be jealous. You can choose to not be jealous. You can process it. And one of the things that I've found myself and I catch myself, I kind of giggle about how ridiculous I am. When I'm in a polyamorous relationship, I want to be able to date whoever I want to date. And so I will be dating multiple people at one time. I'm, it's transparent. It's honest. Everybody knows. But I want to be able to do that. But if I have one partner who says, oh, I'm going to go out with so-and-so, sometimes I do get that ping of jealousy, even though I want to have my kid. I want to be able to date who I want to date, have all the time I want with my friends, basically do whatever the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. That's really the life that I'm creating here. So I'm kind of an asshole when I get jealous of somebody else doing exactly what I'm doing, but it happens because we're human beings. And so what I try to do in those scenarios is I just make a mental note of it rather than creating this full story, creating an actual, a fictional story about why this other person is choosing to do whatever they're, they're doing rather than creating this story, which is going to send me down this downward spiral of just feeling really badly about myself, I just make a mental note. You're feeling jealous. It's okay to be jealous. Don't take these feelings any further. Just move on with it. So I sit with jealousy as it being an emotion, the totally reasonable, fine thing. I just don't let it consume me. I don't take it to the next level where it's going to create a fight with that person, or I'm going to disengage with that person, or I'm going to feel poorly about myself. I have gotten to the point where I just laugh about how my ridiculous double standard, and that helps to kind of bring me back to reality. And I wonder if that would be helpful to anybody who like this listener explicitly stated that they love their time with their friends. And I know for me, I love my solo time too. So, you know, just as we want time with our friends and we want our solo time, our partners are going to want the same thing. And in a healthy relationship, it is in no way a reflection of that person's feelings about you. Certainly if it's an unhealthy relationship, it could be something that that person is doing to make you feel poorly about yourself. But in healthy, loving relationships, your partners are going to go do things with other people and you're not going to be invited just like you're going to want to do things and not invite them. And I think you bring up a really good point, Jillian, that thank you for honoring my boundaries and not asking me to do something that is definitely going to result in a fight. Well, yeah, it's like the learning cycle, right? I mean, Brandon and I are such dorks, right? We're both educators. We both have advanced degrees and we don't necessarily, well, actually... I take that back. There are times where we might be overanalyzing our own interactions and behaviors, but there's this sense of like this learning loop of like, this has happened. We're now going to talk about it, reflect on it. And I'm kind of in this place of I'm really over like letting things go because I think the things that we typically want to be like, I'm just going to let that go have actually been like these struggle or learning points or emotional little milestones. It's kind of like being able to move past it with like a sense of like a newness, right? Or like now that I've moved past that, I'm going to not recreate that same state through whatever cause it, right? The lack of communication, the misinterpretation of established boundaries. And I think that also helps because then you sit with things in a way that you want them to your point of like kind of creating the life that you want. We're both really independent humans. And I think, I'm not going to say this happens all the time, but a lot of times, you know, mountain enthusiasts, mountain adventurers, there is a sense of independence in that because there's a lot of solitude in, in what you get like in the skin track and in hiking. And you might be the type that will push your physical boundaries and whatever that looks like, right? On, on a whole 
whole continuum of engagement in the outdoors, but that sense of independence and adventure, sometimes that can be a little tricky when it doesn't exactly align with someone else's, right? And then again, that's about sort of choosing partners and having different humans to do different things with to keep us that full selves. Like how fun is it then you come back and you're sharing these experiences that another person can relate to, even if you didn't necessarily do them together. And the other person can kind of feel your stoke from that and you feel theirs. I do want to circle back to something you said that I think is so common about creating the fictional story and how that kind of ruminating on those fictional stories. I'm guilty of this all the time and it's work that I do really for my own self-care is like pausing and catching yourself to being like something I'm thinking about and feeling, you know, to your point of emotions being temporary, right? We are not emotions. They are temporary and things we have control over. But often we can get ourselves in a headspace where we are, we are thinking and overthinking something that is not real and not true. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a completely made up story. And I participated in a meditation series of meditation workshops that Christy Peoples put on. I highly recommend people look her up. And this was one of the main things that we went over. And this was years ago, right at the beginning of COVID, I was taking these workshops with her because I was like, oh, shit's going to get real. I need to build up. I need every tool I can have to be resilient through what is coming. And so I took all these workshops with her and that was a big thing that we worked on. And I tell myself stories all the time. I will catch myself and I will say out loud because I live alone. So I talk to myself all the time. (laughs) Also, I talk to myself even if I'm like out and it's people look at me, but like I will say out loud, Jen, you are telling, you are making up a story right now. Cut it out. And like those stories always make us feel bad. Why do we do it? One thing that I've been trying to do, and I have been Sarah, who's our operations manager, We've been doing this Mindset Mondays every Monday in our team meeting at Coalition. She's been walking us through a lot of just, you know, how we can change our perspective and sort of, you know, deal with the world around us. I've just been trying to create new stories. So when I catch myself thinking about something negative, I try to go back and say, well, what is something positive? Like, what could I fantasize about right now? What could I think about create this incredible fantasy rather than this nightmare that I'm making up. So normally I just go into like, my brain goes into the gutter at that point. And, but it's fun, you know, just fantasize rather than create negative stories. And, you know, I also sometimes think about in addition to fantasizing about sex with the various people, also just about the things that I want when I, that's an easy way out, right? Like you're in this dark place, making up this story about how someone feels about you. And then you're like, oh wait, but that experience last week with that person was really spectacular. Let me focus on that instead. I also just think about how much time creating those negatives, like how much time that takes away from thinking about the things that you want to create. You know, what if you use that mental energy to create the life that you want or to contemplate the life that you want rather than what you don't want. And I don't always do well, like I'm not always good at this, but I've been thinking a lot about this. Every time I go down that rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. I'm like, why are you doing this? Think about the life you want to have and how you can be creative in, in your thoughts around that. 
Well, I hope something that is coming through in this episode for our listeners is the sense that both Jen and I are in the like, we work on this, we try this, we build tools within our own lives. This is by no means like we are, you know, we've got it all figured out. But I think landing on things that help you move from the the negative to the positive or that sense of self-reflection, or as I think of it, sometimes my positive self-talk, surrounding yourself with those people that share this type of I don't want to say like life strategy, that sense of like where you put your energy and your focus. And then you're surrounding yourself with people that when you say that, they're like, yeah, this is what I do. This is how this helps. So I think there's some fear that can be wrapped up in around that because it forces us to like look at ourselves, look at our own thoughts and really take kind of ownership and accountability for the feelings and the thoughts that we're projecting. Because there, and again, I'll, I'll put this on myself. There are definitely times where I have been a total catalyst for things that went in my face where I'm like, ooh. I didn't work through that water. Ooh, I kind of brought, I don't want to say I brought it upon myself, but like, I kind of knew that was going to happen. Like, motherfucker, like, have you not learned? So that rents like little self-protection, but then also like, ooh, I'm, you know, I'm going to move through this to the point where we are in the like, yay, sexy fantasy. Yay, sexy fantasy. That's how I learned it. Have you not learned? It's a quick go-to. If you need, if you are spiraling, for me, I'm just, that's like, a. it's quick. It's fat. It's not necessarily the most productive. Like I said, I do try to get into the, how can I contemplate the more creative side, like work on building this life that, that I want. But sometimes just like thinking about a good lay works. It really does. One of the other things, things that I've considered in terms of relationship dynamics, Jillian. And I know this isn't something that you've thought about for 20 years, but when you're single, you do oftentimes contemplate, well, what are the characteristics or the the traits that you want in somebody who you start dating or somebody who you would potentially think about partnering with? And there's always this list, right? There's this long list of what you want. And then there's always this list of the things that you don't want. And for the longest time, I've always struggled with somebody who plays in the outdoors the way that I do. And I don't think it's difficult to find people to date who love the outdoors because I actually believe that most people love the outdoors, right? So it's not that. But my personal form of recreating in the outdoors is sometimes type two, not all the time, but you know, I I love a good, let's see how far I can push myself and then... I'm complaining the whole time, but then I'm like, ooh, that was really fun, right? Particularly on the cycling side of things. I have kind of built a life where I want to make sure that I can be snowboarding a couple times a week. And I've been doing that for over 20 years, right? So I have, I recognize that the way that I recreate in the outdoors and how much time I put into it and how I build my life around it is not necessarily what most people want to do or or are able to do. So it's always been a little bit challenging to have that expectation of somebody else to be with me recreating in those ways all the time. And one of the things that I've been able to, to come to terms with is, and not even come to, that makes it sound bad. It's not bad. One of the things that I've embraced is that I have had years and years and years of cultivating these relationships with friends, with friends of all types. And that I know that I'm not alone. I know that I can, I can choose to recreate by myself if I want, but if I want to have friends, whether it's riding bikes or going camping or skiing or whatever, there's people there and you're, you're one of them. You and I have the best time when we go out. We always act like it's our first time when we're just like screaming and yelling. (laughs) Shout out to you, Cambo. 
I don't, I no longer try to put that on a potential partner because that's my expectation. That's about me. And one of the things that I've learned or that I've, that I'm learning that I've been working on a lot is how do you shift your perspective? How do you shift your expectations? How do you recognize that that's really about, that's like a me thing and that how many potentially like wonderful interactions am I not having because my expectations are unachievable in the sense of why would you put so many things on one person? One person shouldn't fulfill everything. Every little need and want that you have shouldn't be fulfilled by one person. That's unfair to do that to an individual person. And I think that that's, you know, one reason why I lean into polyamorous relationships is recognizing that different people bring different things to your life and that that's something that feels really good to me. But I don't know. I just, I think a lot about that, of the expectations we put on potential partners or current partners to be this certain type of outdoorsy or to participate in these activities with us and how that isn't necessarily going to benefit us. Uh, I love it. Well, I hope that this will inspire a response from the listener that inspired us to record here. I also hope this will inspire listeners to reach out to us. I will say this fabulous human gave us great feedback and great detail on a myriad of episodes. We're in season six. So if you're thinking, well, I need some content so I can write to you gals, please go back, revisit earlier seasons. Let us know maybe what you'd like to hear a bit about. I think the advice seeking and always the question dropping is a great way and maybe Maybe if you get us thinking and talking, we'll get an episode out there on your question or letter as well, listeners, because we would not be doing this if it weren't for you on the other end. So we appreciate it. 